0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Seatstruck Movie Podcast. My name is John, and joining me today is my co-host, Curtis. How are you doing, Hello. Good. How are you? Doing good. It's a lovely uh, Sunday. Today, it's uh, April 10th, and uh, it's another second week edition of our Shakespeare uh, month. Uh, Last week, of course, we talked... uh, Romeo and Juliet, which we enjoyed. And today we're talking about another uh, 90s classic. I believe this one, I think, is about a couple of years after uh, Romeo yeah, and Juliet. 1999, uh, I think, isn't it? Yeah, this one, this one is uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I guess before we get into it, uh, how, how are you? How's uh, how's life going? Oh, it's good, man. I started a new job in Stuttgart, so I'm busy with that. Oh, nice. I'm playing lots of video games. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good. Actually, like uh, I was going to say before we started, I didn't watch a whole lot this week because I've, I've kind of gone back into games because like I... I have so many (laughs) games and stuff, but I never seem to have time to play them. But I made a point. I'm like, you know what? This weekend, this week, I'm going to get back into playing a video yeah. game for my sake so i started too. playing easter is coming too you know so i'm excited what, what have you been playing oh I'm, I'm kind of starting a whole run through the dark souls series so i'm starting off with Ooh. dark souls remastered on playstation 4 which is fun because i I've, I've played through it all be all set PS3, for Ring, so yeah. <laughs> yeah now it, it's fun playing it because it's like 60 frames per second it's all kind of it's it looks pretty similar like the graphics aren't i guess they're a little bit updated but it, it plays a lot smoother which is actually kind of tricky because if you've played it in, in the old kind of 30 frames per second. It's actually figuring out some of the timings is a little trickier, but uh, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I don't know if any of our audience actually plays Dark Souls or knows, but there's a notorious section called Blight Town, which uh if you played it back on the old uh, uh, 360 PS3 PC days, like that used to be super laggy, like it, your frame rate would drop to like 15 frames per second or less. It was pretty dodgy, but apparently now it's all cleaned up. So I'm excited to uh, go back to that um, level and not be too uh, turned off by the you know, just my machine chugging trying to play it. I always love the swampy poisony areas in those games. I don't know, even though everyone hates them. I just Noxious, them yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah knock a, a zombie into it and it'll probably like get stronger or something <laughs> yeah and you've been playing a lot of horror games right like i know you've been playing yeah uh, i've been playing the chillest yeah.
1: art games which is like this j-horror Ooh. and i don't usually play j-horror because i was scared off by takashimike but <laughs> i'm trying to get more into it now and actually i got nice. you a game too i have this latest that's game right, Cl- yeah. the closing shift too and that's kind of fun because you play like this barista this starbucks knockoff and in Japan, somewhere, and you get a stalker coming after you, and it's it's really uh it's really scary too because you know you're you're putting the car a female protagonist character, you know, very attractive yeah. female character, and every guy that comes to eye her is like some pervert or some gross guy, you know, so it really puts you in that perspective of the male gaze. It's really good, and I got you copied oh. too. It's near Steam when you log in again too. Oh, I've been nice! Playing- I'll,
0: have to, I'll have to check it out.
1: I've been playing this fun game called... Uh, I played another one called Cooking Companions. <laughs> it's another one of those J-horror games, I guess. And it takes place in like... when Holodomers. the uh, Yeah, in the Ukraine when they had a famine and the uh, Ukrainians flee to uh, Poland. And it's all about like mm. cannibalism too. And then, uh, I, you know, they were talking about how they flee She's from scary. Ukraine. I'm like, this is kind of like really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was good. But um, my, my new one is Yuppie Psycho, which is really fun too. It's one of those indie titles and it's about, you know, you're this this uh naive new businessman and this like late stage capitalist uh well it turns out you're in this satanic kind of building too and everything's possessed and mm. fucked up and it's just a sat- satire of corporate america which is great and needed <laughs> so you i just yeah, the
0: the, the, i just thought dot matrix printer which was pretty cool so nice the uh the nbc and it's been so good for a lot of horror games especially and like whether it's on steam or i would say something like itch.io there's so many great like independently made yeah. horror games. And a lot of them are quite scary. A lot of them are a lot of them are influenced by a lot of like J horrors like Final yeah, Frame J- or, Giallo or, or stuff like that. Too, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of kind of uh and not just, like, kind of movie horror references, but a lot of, like, 80s, 90s kind of video game yeah. horror. Yeah, well, a lot kind of, of, like, pu- puppet, puppet
1: combo stuff, too. And uh, Murder House, I mean, that's a, the scariest games I've ever played. I had to stop playing for five minutes because my heart was racing so much, you know, Christmas yeah. Day it's 2020. Fun. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's, it's fun talking about them because I was saying, like, these are influenced by kind of, like, other horror games. But a lot of those horror games are also influenced by a lot of, like, horror movies, like J-Horror or even, like, kind of more Americanized horror films, too. So it's kind of fun to see, like, movies influencing video games, which influence new movies or new games. And it's just a cycle of of things kind of being redone or rehashed and it's fun, you know, Kind of segueing into this, another sort of adaptation uh, of By Another Material. This one, of course, 10 uh, Things I Hate About You. I-, I think this one, especially coming in the shadow of like uh, Clueless, which was, of course, uh, sort of a, a teen uh, well, this one's not California, it's West Coast, it's a uh, Washington, but like a teen West Coast take on, on. Uh, in that case, it was uh, Emma, um, huge hit, a critical hit. Of course, I-, I would expect that this one probably kind of rolled out similarly uh, as yeah. sort of an influence by yeah, that film. Well,
1: yeah, because that one kind of catapulted alicia silverstone to the to the you know big time and and then this one was all about you know julia styles and uh and heath ledger and joseph, yeah. joseph gordon Levitt i think he was still kind of popular already from uh angels in the outfield but i think oh, yeah. you know, this, this made him even more popular <laughs> we're gonna have to do our like
0: ki- kids baseball movie watch series or yeah. something i love year. Yeah. that's a good movie yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, this one, uh, because another Shakespeare film, this one is actually sort of an adaptation, a modernization of his classic comedy, The Taming of the Shrew. I have to admit, I've actually never read Taming of the Shrew. It wasn't something that we focused on when I was in university college. Have you ever... Have you read? Peter yeah,
1: Andrew? i I read some of it too. I think a lot of uh you know the critics too think it's the, you know it's a little bit outdated in terms of gender and stuff too because it is yeah. kind of a
0: good wife or whatever. Yeah, what a know, good like wife should be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> according to <laughs> sexist
1: Renaissance standards, you know, so like it doesn't really sit well with a lot of you know, <laughs> understandably with a lot of contemporary feminists and scholarship. So uh yeah, but I mean I, this is kind of an interesting take on it too, isn't it? Because they kind of put it in a modern setting yeah. too, and you know, it's dealing with all those kind of you know I hate you so
0: much, but it's actually well, you know, you don't hate him that much, you know, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Taming the Shrew roughly, I, I haven't read it, but I know roughly it's a story about mm-hmm. like uh, this courtship of this, uh, of these, of these women. And of course the names are also in this movie. So like Bianca and Taming the Shrew is the sister, Bianca in this movie. And, and Kat in this movie is Katrina in, and uh, Taming the Shrew, who's the, you know, the shrew. And it's about, you know, these people trying to woo this beautiful Bianca. It's like, if you want to woo her, you have, someone has to woo, katharina and then someone kind of comes to woo her from verona you know his name's Verona in this and then ends up kind of falling in love with her and it's sort of like uh i guess this sort of style of film uh, sort of style of story has been done before like i even thought of something well something like she's all she's all that which is like one of my cult classic favorite uh, teen uh, i guess comedies from the, the 90s that movie is very similarly like this it's sort of about like oh like betting oh you can date this girl or turn her in the prom queen and it's about you know kind of a, a shrew character like a lesser woman kind of being like brought up to high class society almost like a my fair lady type take i guess there's a lot of kind of comedies and rom-coms that kind of deal with this similar material so i think even though you know this is sort of a direct adaptation of shakespeare we kind of see his influence and a lot of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, this one, of course, stars the three kit leads, uh, uh, Julie Styles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, all of them very young. And I think this was all sort of like their big breakout film, uh, certainly for Heath Ledger. I mean, this was kind of his big star performance. And even to this day, I know, you know, of course, he passed away shortly after uh, the filming of, of The Dark Knight. And, you know, he won that posthumous Oscar. When people look back on his career, like, of course, it's like Dark Knight is the Joker, Knight's Tale, and this one. And this is one that people look back on really fondly. And uh, man, he's so charming in this movie. Uh, this this is a good looking cast of people like everyone's so charming and bright uh i really i really had a had sort of a good time with it um kind of some little funny stuff is that uh kate hudson was originally offered the role of cats but uh her mom goldie hahn was like no this script sucks don't don't and kind of blocked oh, right. her from joining yeah.
1: it which <laughs> I, is, uh, I, would, I would i would have liked to have seen of... kate,
0: i would like to have seen kate hudson in it
1: too because i think obviously controversial opinion but i I think one of my flaws with the film was that, uh, that I mean, everyone was really good looking, but I almost thought like when I watched it, I thought Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles looked a
0: little bit like brother and sister. So I felt a little bit incestuous, but maybe that was. Just yeah, crazy. it is like <laughs> this is a popular film with the bi community because it's just beautiful people. And yeah, they look so like identical, almost like they're a perfect match. It's pretty funny, too, because everyone's like calling Kat like ugly and you're like, oh, is it just shrew You're so like gross. I'm like, she's I think Julia Stiles was like about 17 or 18 in this. Like yeah. but she's like a objective young beautiful like model actress she's got those cheekbones too I'm like yeah everyone's like you're so homely looking I'm like (laughs) homely. she looks like a a young model like what's going on but yeah anyway so in this context the story is of course being done in the high school so it of course stars a group of characters Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays This character Cameron, who I believe he's like a new student uh, to to the school, and he's infatuated by this beautiful girl there called Bianca. And um, of course, we find out like uh, his friend tells her him that, uh, oh, you know, this Bianca woman. uh, Sorry, Michael is his friend. He's like, oh, she's stuck up. She's kind of conceited. I really love like Michael, played by David Krumholtz and and Joseph Gordon Levitt's character Cameron. I love their little friendship. Like they're just walking around, and they're like he's pointing out all the clicks of the school. He's like, there's the cowboys, and like there's like these cowboy guys there and there's a scene later they at a big party and they pass over like a spit bucket for they're like chewing tobacco and they're like spitting in it um this film doesn't really take itself all that seriously which I really like it's just sort of I mean it's taking material that is yeah it, and it's very self-aware of the fact that the kind of the material it's sort of adapting is very kind of anachronistic and we see that with Kat you know she's this outspoken young feminist who's uh into like riot girl music and she's sort of like other of type like a 90s kind of you know riot girl feminist type and you know um, she's kind of pushing back her sister Bianca's kind of like you know goody girl who's sort of like a popular sort of you know archetype um cat of course is like you know she gets accepted like sarah lawrence college and i love you know her dad i think what was this her dad walter uh, he's this like he's this guy who I guess he's like an obstetrician he like deals with like pregnancy and the whole film he's like super anxious with like his young girls like getting pregnant he's like or, or dating in general he's pretty like patriarchal which I guess is again an adaptation of sort of the Shakespeare material as well but uh, um, you know he doesn't really want his his daughters to date and Bianca you know is this young girl who everyone's lusting over but they kind of see her as conceited stuck up but really she's just kind of blocked from dating and so it's sort of this, Absolutely. this big screwball with everyone involved.
1: And there's kind of that gender role reversal too because you know in Shakespeare's time you know like her behavior the, the shrewish behavior was seen as kind of outdated but now you know like they see like the kind of old conservative parents is kind of outdated too and kind of passé You yeah. know, it's, the focus is on the woman herself to just kind of you know finding someone in
0: that society <laughs> it's kind of funny to contrast it to something like easy a which is you know again based on nathaniel hawthorne's story of the scarlet letter but it, it takes place more recently i guess now it's like 12 13 years you know it's been a while but that that film is like parents i think like i understand like too the dad it's like her parents are almost like overwhelmingly pause sex positive and like woke, <laughs> you could put it that way and like, like it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah it's almost the exact opposite of this very patriarchal type of, of parenting but uh it, it's a lot of fun and of course can Cameron is you know wants to ask Bianca out. But of course, she's unable to date because she can only date if her, her sister, Kat, dates and Kat doesn't even want to date at all. But there's this other character named Joey. He's just this, like douchebag model guy. He looks way too old to be like. So many of these characters in the movie look way too old. But he, him and Jet in particular looks like he, he's kind of a, a weird misfit in this movie because he's sort of like the, the cool, popular kid. But like everyone kind of hates him, which is kind of fun. But he wants to date Bianca and Bianca's into him. And and so Cameron and Joey's kind of and, and Michael, of course, Michael wants to kind of get popular. So he's kind of. Kind of involved in this he's sort of like the one behind the scenes who sets a lot of the stuff up um he tells them like if you can get cat to date someone and they ended up they say well how about this kind of bad boy guy patrick verona I, almost, again almost like cat is like objectively a handsome young dude who's just like they're like, oh, he's like this outcast bad boy. They say like he was arrested and that's why he's been away from school. I think, is he supposed to be like 21 or 20? I think he's supposed to be like a good three years older than, yeah, than everyone is. He's at a older. bar at one point drinking. Like, I think, uh, I think he's got to be a little bit older, but um, you know, they say like, if you can get him to kind of, and I think um, Joey offers to give him money, give him cash. There's a little bit, I think of almost like a little class element too. Cause you know, like they're kind of paying this guy. Yeah. He's kind of, we find out later, he's sort of like, not well to do, his family sick. Like he's probably like kind of lower income, kind of like a lower class than these guys. And you know he's getting paid money. Hey, can you date this girl if we give you money? And Monetary. Yeah, I imagine if you're getting, if you're a high schooler who's kind of broke and kind of lower class, getting offered like three hundred dollars or whatever it is to date a yeah, girl, you'll like t- you'll someone take that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he starts to date uh, cats. And it's, again, it's not, it's like almost like a love prism. It's like Cameron's into Bianca, Bianca's into Joey. Michael's also into this other girl who's friends with Cat, who's like a Shakespearean lady, or she's into Shakespeare. It's really funny. Like uh, there's so many kind of like looping kind of relationships here. And of course, Cat and Cameron, oh, sorry, Cat and, and uh, Patrick Verona, they start to, they start to go out and uh, they, they start to have kind of a little bit of like a flourishing uh, relationship. You know, I mean, Patrick's kind of getting a kind of inside scoop on like what she likes. And it's so, I love how corny the scenes are when he's like, talk with He's like oh you know they're not as good as like sleet or kenny and he's just like name dropping like (laughs) all these like acts that like she would be into and uh i mean it helps that i mean he led you look at that he's got that golden smile like golden grin on his face he's quite a colgate smile yeah (laughs) yeah with his big picture it's like little it's like mouth like twinkling and stuff you know and i (laughs) love And, and, it, and it's pretty, and there's just a, and i got to say too, I was struck by like how, like how well, how good the movie looked. Like there's so much like mise-en-scene and kind of interesting things going on with the camera work. And I found out like the, the, the cinematographer of this film was Mark Irwin, who is God a Tear. Canadian cinematographer. Yeah. God tier who famously did a lot <laughs> of the work with like David Cronenberg. So on like scanners uh, scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, worked pretty exclusively with him also with like Wes Craven, a lot of like horror, especially. And, uh, I, I don't know how he ended up kind of involved in this movie. Like, I was trying to kind of read up if, if there was some reason why he was in this, on this film. But it seems like an odd choice. But, I mean, it's it's helpful because uh, one of the things I actually really dug about it was how good the film looks. Like, there's so many kind of wide scenes, like, especially even just the beginning scene where, where Michael and, and Cameron are kind of walking through the school and the different crowds. It, it felt so well framed. And, I, and I, it was really cool to kind of see... Um, nice, nice touches like that. Like we're walking through, like a kind of like a party or a bar, and we're cut the cameras really kind of going through, you know, many different kinds of scenes. And there's a lot of steady cam going on. I, I really thought yeah. it was. It, was, well, yeah, it looks a lot better than some of its peers like something like even like she's all that a lot of these kind of 90s teen comedies kind of feel flat like, bring it on or like something, something you know like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah like yeah, i saw exactly. that too
1: because like and it's interesting too, like you say that you know he's this body horror director because like there's really an emphasis on body language here too you know and he's not like a he doesn't yeah. sexualize them as much too that you know they're, they're good looking but like it, he just kind of uh he's more interested in the body language too which i really admire rather than kind also of ex- really like-
0: sexualizing <laughs> yeah yeah there's also a really fun cast of kind of supporting uh folks in this too like we have of course uh G- gabrielle union who plays uh bianca's best friend And there's that great kind of opening scene. It's like you can be i know you can be overwhelmed and underwhelmed but can you be whelmed and they, they're just <laughs> they're pretty funny and of course uh Gabrielle Union she ends up like with uh, Joey later in the movie uh, which is fun and there's also Alice and Janney as like Miss Perky who's this guy cutler, but she kind of disappears like halfway through the movie I was like what happened to her she's sort of in the beginning of the movie and she's like typing up this like sexy story or whatever and like characters like coming to office and she's like and she doesn't even seem to really hide it that well she's just sort of like hey what's a what's a word for like a throbbing member or whatever <laughs> like, they're just asking people about it and uh, also great uh, cameos by Saban so we have of course the great uh, beloved by Benoit Wyatt of Parks the Rec fame, uh, letters to Cleo doing uh I think a few songs this movie they do, like Cruel to be kind yeah, at yeah, the, Nicklo, uh, the yeah. dance party. And then they do I want you to want me at the end. They're like on the roof of the school. I'm like, how did they get up there? But just, it's very it's very, <laughs> oh, very mystical if you ever filters. have a chance to go
1: on, if you ever have a chance to go. I don't know why, like, but I love going on top of my high, like my old schools. Like I climbed on top of Mary Honeywell once <laughs> and I've been on
0: top of pizza. <laughs> and I just love being on top of buildings. It's great. I'm on top of on, the world. I'm on top of John McRae <laughs> Oh my god. I never I always wanted to go on top of Jockdale because uh, you know there used to be tons of balls would get thrown up there and then uh Mr. Sickman our janitor would go up and, and, and throw them off I always wondered it's probably filled yeah. with like school you know footballs and baseballs and stuff or like kind that kind of crap up there <laughs> yeah also I love Mr. Morgan the teacher in this film he's just such a savage like Joey's like making fun of Bianca and he's like how about I'm gonna give you a bitch laugh or whatever like, he's just shitting on him <laughs> he's also shits on Kat too because Kat is sort of like the prototypical like white upper class like feminist who and he's like oh and he's like kind of pushing things back at her and what does he say he's like by the next time you decide to storm in on the pta crusading for better lunch meat or whatever it is you white girls complain about ask them why they can't buy a book by a black man and i thought that was pretty funny um, i loved all the scenes in this like he's just got no chill he's just like roasting uh all of his asshole students maybe as an instructor i was like you know what i i kind of feel you know i kind of really uh connect with this uh with this character a little bit i don't know but uh, yeah and of course like a part of part of the drama is of course you know we have this sort of framed relationship between cad and and patrick verona and you know it's it's not really going so well. Like, Kat's kind of like whatever, like blowing him off. Yeah, but, freaking you know, Joey, fucking shit. By up. Him. Yeah, freaking yeah. I mean, it <laughs> helps that he's like ridiculously good looking, but of course, like he's actually got like some charm to him. Like, he seems to generally connect with her, and you know, they're both kind of like again, like kind of outcasts. You know, they're they're not sort of people that are sort of accepted by everyone else. And there's that great scene, of course, at the party where you know Patrick Verona is actually helping her. She's like super passed out, almost drunk. She gets you know, she's like jamming out to, to Biggie on the table and like twerking and everything. And uh you know, he ends up kind of helping her. From the party and she wants to like you know have sex with him he's like kind of like you know good on him he's like no you know consent he's like no no and she's kind of really throwing up everywhere and after that she's sort of a little pissed off that you know he didn't want anything to do with her but you know he's kind of she's kind of she's won back by him by a great you know iconic scene with uh, Heath Ledger where he's singing the like can't take my eyes off you and walking down the stairs um another case of a, j- a famous joker walking down the stairs I guess but uh I mean everyone talking that's probably the most famous scene in this movie and um I think it's, it's, it's fun. I, I've, I, I just, I, I think there's a lot of just fun, fun joy in this. And it was, it's pretty funny to you know, watch him run up and down the bleachers while the cops are like trying to, or the, I guess the security guards are trying to grab him. And I love when he like slaps the guys actually runs fast or whatever. It's uh it, it's pretty fun. And so they kind of, they kind of get back together and actually Cameron is, is trying to get kind of meet with Bianca. Um, Bianca's actually kind of a little bit into Cameron, you know, Cameron kind of calls her out. He's like, why are you being like, so like, you know, I've like, I have have had an obvious crush on, you. I mean, I guess, you could kind of say the, the the kind of the there is some parts of this film that are a little bit dated. I mean, it wasn't I wasn't t- totally offended, but there's some stuff that here. There's some lines, especially the beginning the film where I'm kind of like, uh and even you can kind of frame the whole Cameron lusting over Bianca, almost like, a you know, I'm just a good guy. Why don't you like me type? Uh, yeah, I'm so nice. But, yeah, hey, I'm so nice to you. I buy you everything. Why don't you, why don't you have sex with me? But, <laughs> I'm going to uh, buy, my, buy your mean, love. But, uh, you know, Bianca kind of, I guess, takes it. And, she you know, she she actually seems to really like Cameron. But, uh, of course she's also into joey but you know she starts to realize joey's kind of just like a a douche and i love when he's like yo what do you do he's a model so he's like yo look at what do you think of this and he's like posing for her like at the party and i think i near the end he gets like punched right in the face and he's like that's my nose like you know like i'm gonna have to i'm shooting a nose spray out tomorrow damn it like why did you do that it's just i I loved it because like this whole film kind of sets up this whole like story with joey how he's like gonna like try to hook up with bianca and he's sort of the one who causes he's sort of the agent of chaos here too because like he's the one that rats out that uh patrick verona is getting paid to, to date and he's sort of the one who's causing all this drama and at the end you know you think he's gonna have his sort of comeuppance and he just sort of gets just unceremoniously punched in the face and everyone kind of walks all over him you know for a film villain he's sort of not really like that big of a evil presence in this he's sort of just like a generic douchebag teenager and and i really love uh Again, I really thought uh, David Cromwell's performance as Michael was funny, you know, that kind of geek who's, again, he's almost, I guess, like, kind of plays like, I guess, like the the fool sort of role in this. I mean, he's sort of funny, but like, he's sort of like this character who kind of mingles with yeah, all he has the like social this, groups. He has like and... this wisdom
1: to, you know, this wisdom of all the yeah. social groups. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he knows all the connections, and he's able to kind of weave his way out. I mean, he gets made fun of and picked on, but, like, he's able to he, – he's friends with Cameron. He's able to talk with uh, with uh, Patrick Verona. He talks with the girl. Like, he's sort of all over the place. And he has that kind of little, like, side romance with Cat's uh, friend at the end where, like, Cat's like, friend who's obsessed with Shakespeare shows up. She's, like, dressed like a Shakespearean maiden or whatever, and he, he shows up all decked out, too. I'm like, good on him. He had a little good – uh relationship too and you know I love I love a couple of moments too i love um actually the sort of resolution with uh with cat and her dad there's a kind of a little touching scene at the end where her dad kind of admits like you know like you're growing up and I, there's also this kind of subplot of her their their mother passed away or i think she they got divorced and she left and she's been away for a long time and it's not really like a huge part like it kind of comes up to kind of elicit drama in the story but there's kind of a little bit of a touching scene near the end where her dad is sort of talking or And he's like, you know what, like, you know, it's been tough since your mom went away. Like I'm really, uh, you know, it's, there's a little bit of him kind of understanding that he has to kind of grow up and let his daughters be independent. And I thought, I thought it was really touching. It was a really nice little moment. You know, you, you kind of expect, uh, sometimes some, some of these characters kind of commit to their kind of patriarchal ways, but it was fun and fun to see a character kind of, you know, kind of move beyond that. So that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh there's some really funny scenes, especially the scene where cats try to get out of, or no, she's trying to get Patrick out of detention. So she's talking to teach like how to win the f- soccer game. And she just like flashes <laughs> and he's just like, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna have to talk to HR or whatever about this or, and, um, but I love, again, this movie, of course, based on Shakespeare it's following it somewhat somewhat, um, Faithfully, it it is pretty has a good kind of sense of skewering. Kind of these sort of prototypical sort of male archetype love relation like movies. There's a whole scene of Nora Cats sort of going off on like various male figures in arts and literature. She's like like you're like Hemingway, romantic like he was totally abusive. He squandered his life. I think he said like, she said he squandered his life hanging around uh, Picasso trying to nail his leftovers. Like she's really kind <laughs> of scathing on some of these like these male artists or male figures. And uh, you know it it, it makes the it makes the film age quite well because I feel like. There's a lot of young women who feel the same way too you know a lot of these sort of takes on you know misogynistic male writers or artists aren't really anything new it's, it's a lot of people have been talking about this for <laughs> many years but you know things come up especially on twitter as cycles it's a lot of cycles of the same uh, sort of same outrage but uh yeah and um anything else you want to mention i mean this movie there's not a lot whole lot going on in terms like thematically it's a fun teen comedy and uh i also got to say like this i think had about a roughly like a 13 million dollar budget but it was a huge yeah it was a, a big, big
1: blah blah blockbuster blah, blah, blah. i remember when it came out too and i mean that you know you look at Heath Ledger's discography too and i didn't really know it. Of his Australian films before this, but this was really the Atlantic Crossing film for him. You know, this is yeah. the big break because I think he did the Patriot, which is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I hate, I love the cinema. Patriot. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. a great I think movie. It's a, a dope movie. Yeah, I yeah. to oh, do the Patriot. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be great. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it, yeah, big one for Heath Ledger. You know, obviously, and coming before the Dark Knight and everything to probably about eight years, so everything is yeah, relative. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, for some of those, I mean, like Joseph Gorlava too, he's quite young in this and he's gone on, especially the last decade, I'd say has had like kind of a really kind of bone up career. With yeah, stuff like and directing Uber, and, and stuff Dark too. Night. He's a great actor. Yeah. Even yeah, as words he's, worth, got, he's and, great. And, and, Yeah, and I, and I love Julie Stiles as well too. I mean, I, I used to be a big Dexter fan. I know she had a big role in that. And actually now she's filming, I believe, a film in Northern Ontario, kind of like a Canadian yeah. show. Yeah, well, yep, so she did I, the, I, Bourne, the Bourne trilogy too, right? Um That's right. Yeah, she was in yeah. those movies, yeah. Yeah, they, and, they, uh, they
1: they killed her off in the latest one or the latest one, I think, which is really upsetting. I'm like, why did you kill off
0: Julia Stiles? <laughs> like, leave <laughs> Nikki alone. <laughs> yeah, leave her alone. She didn't deserve that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this film, I think this film also had a huge impact on it. There's a like kind of a wave of like, I mean, it came out during this big wave of a kind of like 90s teen movies like this one. She's all that. Bring it on. But like, I think something like She's the Man, which I believe is sort of an adaptation of The Twelfth Night. I think that movie. Probably isn't made if this movie isn't such a hit. Like there was kind of a mini wave of like other comedies yeah. that kind of came out around the same Carbon time. Carbon copies, kind now, of like you know. Yeah, that were doing like the Shakespeare thing, like oh, let's do this Shakespeare comedy, but like teens and and, and now. And I think this one had a, had a big kind of impact on on that. And again, it's it's sort of beloved as sort of like a. Uh, a late 90s beloved comedy like you know our guest last week robin was going to come on and she loves this movie and i and my uh, my fiancee natalie almost came on too because she loves this movie there's a lot of people who still really absolutely love this movie and uh it, it's left kind of an impact i mean the romance and it's a lot of fun it's it's got the fun teen romance but it's got some beautiful charming leads and it's it's pretty i wouldn't say it's edgy but it's a lot of like there's a lot more kind of risqué humor in it than I thought. Like the aforementioned like flashing scene or even Allison Janey's character where she's like talking about like like shithead students or whatever. There's a lot of like, for a Disney like comedy. I mean, it's touched out. It. I'm like, oh, it's Disney. It's going to be, I haven't seen this movie since I got, since I probably around the time it came out. Like I barely remembered much of it and coming back to it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot kind of uh, going on in terms of um, story and stuff and just some of the interactions. It's not like as saccharine as frankly even some of the stuff that you might see come out today. Apparently they've, uh, uh, this movie there's been attempts to kind of like make a sequel or like an adaptation. Uh, there was actually supposed to be, uh, sort of like a not a sequel film, but there's supposed to be kind of like another like 10 things sort of style film that ended up getting canceled. It was supposed to get made, I think, a few years ago and it ended up, uh, in sort of development hell and got canceled. And uh, they also made like an ABC show, like 10 Things I Hate About You. It was like a comedy, very similar. It had some of the crew involved but didn't last very long I think it only lasted like one season with like 20 episodes or or something of that but uh you know I guess that the movie is kind of it, it still lives on in the hearts of many I mean especially you know following the death of Heath Ledger I think people kind of look back on this very fondly as sort of a little tribute to him you know when he was just this young hot Australian guy who's charmed charmed everyone there's like a generation of women our age who just like absolutely love him and love this movie uh, especially because of his role in it and I, I think it's just a really for me coming back to it I hadn't seen it in so long in I was kind of coming back into it thinking I wasn't going to really be that into it, but I, I had a lot of enjoyment with it. Um, anything else you want to mention in terms of the movie? I think overall, it, there's not a whole lot, I guess, again, thematically. Yeah, I think we covered most of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's some really good quotes. There's one I know with Heath Ledger where he's like, uh, uh, where he's like, he's talking about like, I think he's talking like this ideal woman. He's like, Oh, does she like bring beers? I can't remember what he says, but it's so funny. Like I was cracking up, like hearing him say that <laughs> line and the, uh, uh just in general like his whole just attitude in the movie is just a lot of fun he's just like drinking and smoking I'm like how old is this guy i guess he's got to be like as i mentioned he's got to be like like 21 or something to to, to to like go out of bar and be at a pool ball and he's like you know no smoking shows like smoking. he's like fine i'll quit smoking and uh how about we get into our ratings then um what did you think about uh 10 things i hate about you well it was kind of fun talking about it again
1: too because as i mentioned i hadn't watched mm-hmm. it in a while i actually didn't watch it for this this time which is unusual but uh yeah i i didn't i didn't like it the first time i watched it i gave it 2.5 but i mean it makes me kind of want to revisit just talking about it i think i probably scored a little bit higher maybe three out of five because i do like the shakes the modern shakespeare adaptations too i i don't know i i found uh i mean i like julia styles but i found her character a bit annoying at first but she can you kind of grow into her as the car- kind of film goes on i think and i love i love heath ledger so uh know it was great to see in jordan jordan joseph gordon levitt um so yeah i was about a two and a half out of five for me too i think just uh you know and it's weird because i actually do like a lot of those other you know kind of 90s films like clueless and stuff but uh yeah this one i don't know when i first watched it it didn't really click for me i think maybe if I'd watched it in the 90s when it first came out, I might have had a different impression of it. But I think maybe I was watching it a little bit too late into the game. What
0: did you think? Uh, I was a lot more positive. I gave it a four out of five. You know, coming into this, I hadn't seen it since around the time it came out. Um, I didn't really remember much. And I've heard some kind of mixtape. So I was kind of stealing myself to be sort of underwhelmed. But I was actually over. I loved this movie. I thought it was quite fun. It helps, again, that Mark Irwin's kind of filming. It, this movie looks incredible. Like, it, I, was, I was shocked at how just well shot and designed the film was in, in terms of how it's kind of composed I thought it looks it looks miles ahead of a lot of other stuff coming out around this time or even kind of in, in the years following um I mean it's it's just a really fun comedy it's really funny a lot of really good heartfelt moments that I really kind of kind of got a little like choked up by like the scene with the dad at the end how can I forget you know the the famous like 10 things I hate about you poem at the end where cat's reading in class and starts to get choked up and cry. I was really struck by it I really liked cat yeah, that's that's and, probably uh, my favorite scene in the movie too I would say yeah, yeah and, and Patrick's relationship I really thought they were they had great chemistry together really fun I mean you know some great iconic moments like you know the aforementioned like uh the Frankie Valley song scene. But I mean, even at the end when he kind of gives to that guitar, you know, scene that scenery photo she's at the music place playing guitar and she's interested in music and at the end. He gives her the guitar, you know, it's really, it's really touching. There's a lot of really kind of fun touching emotional mo- moments. This movie I really liked. Um, also, um, funny as hell. And also at times a little bit edgy, like uh, it, it's got, it's a little bit dated, but I really love just kind of the character interactions. I loved, especially David uh, Krubholz's character, just sort of as this kind of guy who weaves in between different groups and him and Cameron together, are a lot of fun uh, as well too. It, it's kind of I, a film's kind of balancing like these, these many kind of characters and supporting characters, oftentimes like they don't, they don't kind of fit well. They don't feel good, but I feel like this film has like just a really good balance of, of characters, um, really good hearts. And yeah, um, I just think it, it's really fun. It's aged Well, I know Cat like as a character. I'm like, it's kind of funny because I'm like, you know, Cat as a Gen Z would probably be super popular now. She's into all the things like Gen Z girls like. She'd be stuff. one of the hot like, oh, girls. She She'd be one of the hot two, girls two ahead of the her time. Girls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I talk about I talk about this my with my, uh, my fiance because she was sort of uh, you know more alternative in high school. She's like, oh, if I had only been born like five years later, I was ahead of my time. I'm like, yeah. So I gave it a four out of five. I don't I don't think it's the most amazing film ever, but I think if you're comparing it among its peers, it's, it's like a, a lot fu- of the other
1: Film, i think yeah yeah
0: can't hardly wait a lot of other kind of like late 90s teen she's movies. all that yeah this, yeah and i love she's all that but a lot of people that's probably not a very good movie but i, I personally i love that movie but mm-hmm. uh I, I think this movie's probably put you gets weighed above a lot of those other ones and uh, <laughs> i think it's aged quite well actually it's a lot of fun to come back to it's i feel it's like kind it's of, kind of timeless. it's very
1: iconic too you always think of it you know when you think if it's in the same sentences like clueless and you know um that weird one with reese witherspoon that she was in what was that called it was where, where it's like oh yeah that's a really weird one that's, maybe that's not as popular i think but i always think of them in the same kind of breadth
0: yeah (laughs) it's it's also not a very mean-spirited film like i mean again there's joey and there's like some of the sexual politics that are kind of weird but it's not really that mean like there's a whole scene where michael like He's supposed to be this dorky kid. I, I, He's like, goes down the hill to the football field. He's almost, he crashes and he gets up. He turns around. He's like, yeah. And everyone's like cheering for him. I'm like, oh, every, everyone kind of feels like fun high school. They all feel young. They all feel like just kids who just kind of goof around with each other. And and I love the stupid cowboys. I'm like, what? <laughs> There's just cowboy guys <laughs> at the school or like, just like hanging they're out. at a saloon. Yeah. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's, it's very acutely aware of both kind of the anachronistic sort of you know borderline sexist source material and also just sort of teen sort of tropes in general of like high school and popular kids it's it's kind of got a self-awareness of all of them putting them together uh to make something sure that's actually pretty fun and and the music slaps too who doesn't love all those night those alt 90s sort of alternative uh fun pop pop songs like uh fnt by Semisonic and all the all yeah. the letters to cleo so, songs it's it's some, got some, some good, uh, good in, the, in the mix yeah and yeah both, yeah it's got some got yeah, some cheap trick oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got some, uh, it's got some, it's got some fun sort of, uh, we got like George Clinton too, I think it's, it's got some fun little, uh little, little bops too. So it was fun to come back to that for that reason as well too. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was 10 things I hate about you. Of course, we're still continuing our watch series of Shakespeare, a little Shakespeare Yeah, month. Lion King uh, we're gonna be Lion King's up next, which will be fun to come back to. That one's an adaptation of Hamlet, which a lot of people probably aren't that aware of, but uh, that'll be fun to talk about as well too. Let's get into uh, what we watched this week. How about you kick yourself, Curtis? You watched a few. Uh, yes, games.
1: I've been playing a lot of video games, uh, and I started my new job, so mm-hmm. I didn't watch too too much. But the first thing I watched, actually, this has been a while going. I've been watching the uh, TV miniseries. It's only one season, 1883. It's on Paramount Plus. I got Paramount Plus just for this. It's oh, a is it any good?
0: Paramount
1: Plus. uh, well, it's, it's all right. I mean, I got it so I can watch <laughs> this show. But uh, yeah, I mean, um. It's a prequel to Yellowstone, which you know my mom's uh, cool. all my mom all my mom's friends have been telling me to watch the show. And I can't get into. I love Kevin Costner. I just find Yellowstone's too slow.
0: But yeah, every, 18- everyone's all about Yellowstone now.
1: Yeah, 1883 is set in the the West, and they. It, I think it's actually superior to Yellowstone. It shows like how the uh, the family came to um Montana or whatever. So it's kind of like the Oregon Trail meets Lonesome Dove, and uh, they have this guy uh, played by Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is Sam Elliott, but it, I feel like. He's always played this character, but he also breathes a lot of new life into this character too. And it's there's also a, there's a, there's a female character too, and they have like black characters too. So it's like it's uh it's it's very diverse too without kind of sacrificing any of the historical integrity because one of the criticisms with lonesome dove one of my favorite miniseries is Danny glover is kind of this magical negro what spike calls it uh you know kind of this character who just is around to serve the white people you know so you actually get you know mm-hmm. a black character in the show which has his own sense of agency we have a female character she's one of the daughters she has her own sense of agency and characters get killed off like wildfire it's like game of thrones you know like so you never know like wow. who's gonna survive and it's, it makes for some really like compelling television um so, I've, I'm trying to watch the last few episodes. I hope I can do over at Easter, but I'll probably talk about the last few episodes la- last week. But it's really great, beautiful to watch, really gripping, yeah, a little bit depressing, mm. but I mean, it's the old West, you know. And uh, and I, I think it's really, really good. Much better than uh, Power of the Dog, I thought, you know. So, um, <laughs> I, watch, I also watched uh, one on Shudder. I thought you'd like this one, John. I watched uh, from 1983, uh, Siege, or also called Self cool. Defense. It's this uh, um, an exploitation film, too. It's oh, kind of, lovely. Yeah, it's kind of in the vein of uh, early John Carpenter, you know, uh, escape from Precinct 13. Uh, The movie starts off, it's pretty brutal. There's like this neo-fascist gang. I was telling John before the podcast, I kept getting... My post ban from this film group because I was like, they're like far right <laughs> extremists. And then they're like, I'm like, what else am I supposed to call them? That's what they are, you know? Yeah.
0: And yeah. yeah they, <laughs> Bunch could, uh, no good dudes, bad yeah. dudes. What else can you Yeah, call they even have guys, like yeah. this,
1: like, kind of like, you know, fascist kind of armbands. And I'm like, well, I don't know how yeah. else to describe them, you know? And they go to this gay bar and they kill everyone except for one character. It's pretty brutal, actually. But I thought it really shows how kind of homophobia kills and kind of the dangers of far right extremism too. And then one of the, uh, the the survivor, he goes to like this apartment block and uh, the, the residents kind of take him in too. And then the gang try to, ta- for some reason, they go to attack the, the apartment block because uh, this is based during the uh, 1981, there was this uh, police strikes in Halifax. Um, so this is kind of like this kind of dystopian oh, cool. scenario, and the gang tries to attack this apartment building, and then the the uh, residents kind of fight back. They have their own like homemade weapons and guns for some reason, <laughs> and they kind of fight the gang members, and it's so entertaining too. Obviously, a lot of the kind of uh, you know the treatment of, of uh, you know the gay club and everything too, it doesn't sit well, but it's also kind of an indictment, I thought. So um i think it's really mm-hmm. good to watch too and especially in the, the second half of the movie it gets so exciting and i think you and Quinn would really like this one too so that's on Shudder, cool. and, nice. and it's it's kind of fun there's a little fun little twist at the end too i won't spoil it but it's like you know thinking about police lives matter or black lives matter and stuff you know like it's uh really interesting to think about and the last mm-hmm. thing i watched uh, with my girlfriend actually was on hbo max i actually had a pirated copy but i <laughs> decided to watch it was um Wes Anderson's uh, French Dispatch, yeah, which came out uh, yesterday. That was kind of fun. I had no idea what the fuck was going on (laughs) with that movie. Uh, I didn't like it as much as um, *Grand Budapest Hotel*. Uh, Maybe they're not comparable. It's nice to see, you know, with Wes Anderson, he always has the same cast. You know, you get Owen Wilson trying to speak French. Yeah, Menagerie, Menagerie, and I'm like Menagerie, man. That match just cringing in her chair, just listening to this French, you know, I can yeah. Picture. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's fun. Bill Murray's in it and uh, Owen Wilson, my, uh, I, I have a crush actually on Leila Sadu. So I was very happy to see her
0: in yeah. there. Just I love crush- the first vignette with, with, uh, with Benicio del Toro. Yeah, because he looks like, like a, pain, a
1: gross, like homeless man, and he's got this like relationship with this gorgeous, like yeah. CEO, and I was like, wow, you know
0: how did it you cuts get her back to post? like the the university in the middle of nowhere, like, talking about it's uh, yeah, oh, man.
1: And yeah. I, I there was this like I don't know she had kind of this Margaret Thatcher haircut, and I'm like, who is this really weird? American speaking because she she sounded like she had peanut butter I'm like oh my god it's Tilda Swinton (laughs) it's Tilda Swinton and I was like oh this makes everything better and Francis McDormand's in it too I mean Timothy Chalamet so my girlfriend was happy because you know she had a little eye candy and I had Leia to do so yeah so it was great um so I didn't know like I didn't really understand follow the whole storylines but I mean that's the thing with Wes Anderson the mise-en-scene is just so good all the shots are so like geometrical and yeah
0: proportionate. It feels and... like his most Wes Anderson-y movie. Like, I, I yeah. was it, but I feel like a lot of people are a little bit against it, because there's been kind of a little bit of like, Wes Anderson backlash. People find him, I guess, too stylistic, and yeah. if, you, if you're one of those people, you'll you won't like this movie, because it's yeah. giving you everything. If you find you it, you you find you.
1: it pre- like, I could see like, some people saying it was pretentious, because I didn't know what was going on, but I was just along for the ride. You know, there's that opening scene where it was so Wes Anderson, you know, where they had that waiter and he goes up the stairs, and then you see like the, him climbing the stairs from like, you know three different windows and i'm like that's the most wes anderson thing i've ever seen but i yeah. love it i'm here for it you know i,
0: I, I mean like i, I loved it and like i think like if you're a writer if you're someone who loves writing as an art form or just arts in general i think this movie says a lot about you know the the love of sort of like a mid i i was i was talking about it before and i kind of said it's sort of like a, a, a tribute to like mid 20th century like essays yeah. and stuff like that like we got like uh jeffrey wright as doing like a james baldwin he has like a really great kind of speech with like leave schreiber talking about like why he does oh, what Lee he schreiber, does and why yeah, he talks yeah. and I was really struck by it like I feel like Wes Anderson sometimes people kind of get too focused on his style but his humanist kind of tendencies yeah, his are his humanist are really commentary good.
1: is very and it's very like it's those little dialogues I think that really make it too because they had those I mean they had my boy uh Willem Defoe in it always happy to see him but I really like <laughs> like also the conversations between uh Timothy Chalamet and and like uh, he had this like French girlfriend there and that, and she would like speak this like rapid fire French <laughs> and he respond in English. And I just really liked those, like those, the, the, their conversations together too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I was, I was predicting, I'm like, Oh, you know, he's definitely sleeping with Francis McDermott. Oh, he's definitely sleeping with the French girl. And I'm like, I definitely think Benicio del Toro and Leo Sudo were sleeping together in this movie and all my like <laughs> sex
0: predictions were on, on, on point for this movie.
1: I, I <laughs> so, love Adrian
0: Brody's character in that first yeah he's, great too. he's so funny. <laughs> I he's like, a, genius, yeah. like work of art. And he's just constantly frazzled by like you're an artist. You, have, you have to sell your guy. paints. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Adrian Brody. So it, oh, it, was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. If you like Wes Anderson, I think that's one to definitely check out and it was worth the kind of wait for me. I think it's one mm-hmm. to see in the big screen too because I mean, even yeah. if you can't it, was, sense it was in great it, in the theater. The color palette and switching to mon- between monochrome and colors is very exciting and he's really good with the use of color too. So that's everything I watched. To be pretty short and sweet what did you watch john
0: sure yeah i the first i actually the we were talking before here like I, I i threw one on here that i actually watched like i probably watched it in like july or august i just <laughs> i totally forgot to mention it i only just remembered because i saw it come up in conversation last week and i was like oh yeah that movie uh so i watched uh you know back in august but talking about it now i watched uh this little uh sort of meta horror comedy called the final girls um this one is about um it stars uh a few folks it stars uh uh, Thaisa Fermiga, F- who's, I believe, it's like v- v- uh, Verma Fermiga's like, daughter in this, and we also have uh, Melina Malina Ackerman as her mom, uh, this young girl who uh, she's kind of recovering from. Her mom was killed in this car accident she was in. Her mom is just sort of, like, was this actress who is known for being in this beloved kind of cult horror slasher called *Can't Bloodbath in the 80s, and, and now it's years later and she's sort of uh now living um i guess she's been adopted she's sort of she's sort of going to high school and has a few friends uh there's a few kind of fun characters in this like uh alia shotcat and thomas Milditch is sort of like uh alia shotcat's brother who's this like horror obsessed junkie we find out that um at this small town they live in at their local kind of indie cinema they're doing like a double feature of camp bloodbath and camp bloodbath Two, and he wants them all to go and of course you know the, the the daughter character is sort of a little apprehensive because, you know, she's dealing with trauma. Her mom, who's like the main star of the movie is, you know, dead now and dealing with all those emotions. And they go there. I don't want to get too spoilery, but this some crazy event happens and they end up, somehow in the movie so they wake up and they're in camp bloodbath in the movie which is fun because it's all the 80s tropes of characters in that movie and even her mom is in that playing kind of the, the character in that film i thought this was going to be dumb again I'm, I'm kind of getting a little annoyed by some of these like meta horror kind of horror comedies i find a lot of them kind exploitation. of exploitation it's like it, it, well no it's like i find they're just not very scary or just good films so they kind of lean yeah. into like oh we're gonna if we can't actually do make a good film we're just gonna make you know be self-aware about it yeah and okay. I, find I find that it too of, like some Sometimes yeah. like they
1: don't know whether to be too much horror or, or too much comedy. Yeah. They don't find that right balance or they try to get too meta and then it's not even anything. Yeah. Like the there.
0: comedy sucks. It's not really smart. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's the point of even having a meta, but I, I actually really enjoyed this. I mean, first of all, it's a total tribute love letter to like Friday the 13th, like slumber party, you know, like a right rally. Of, yeah. yeah but- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Sleepaway Camp. And these like sort of 80s kind of teen slasher films. It's very much about that. And um, I was struck, I, it's like, I think it's only like rated like PG-13, but I thought it was quite violent. I was really actually kind of struck by how kind of gory and violent it was. And there's this sort of really kind of fun, touching, emotional kind of thorough line of her kind of being reunited with her mom, you know, playing a character in the movie and kind of her developing this sort of friendship and sort of reconnecting with her mom, you know, saying all the things she has always wanted to tell her mom and, and sort of the the character in the film who's, you know, an actress who's sort of like her mom as a younger woman, sort of like learning a little bit more about herself. And there's this really kind of beautiful kind of interaction between them. And and it, it, I was actually getting choked up with the little bit. I I thought it was a actually really touching relationship. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Some people, I guess, weren't into it, but I, I really enjoyed myself with it. I thought it was a great. It helps again that I'm a huge Friday the Thirteenth junkie, so it was right up my alley. But I thought it was super funny. Um, really well shot. Really like the the design of the films really cool. It plays. It, it even breaks like the fourth wall at times. Like it's really a lot of fun and uh, of course the next one I was going to go see this in the theater but we just didn't have enough time so I ended up uh renting it um I watched uh the newest film by uh Joachim Trier this one of course uh uh, gotten a tons of noms. It can, I, I think, uh, the actress in it, uh, Renate Re- Re- Reinsve, won best actress it can. It's called the, the worst person in the world. Um, I, I love this film, but I got to say like, I, if you're between, if you're not between the ages of like 26 and like 35, I don't know if you're really going to connect to it because this is very much in kind of the vein of like an eighties Woody Allen film. It's sort of this like really kind of focused on young people coming of age. Millennial it's about, comedy, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's sort of apparently it's the third film of, of this uh, sort of Oslo trilogy. Uh, Joachim True did reprise and also Oslo 31 August. I haven't seen them, but uh, I really want to go visit Oslo now because this film, God, it's so gorgeous. Like, Oslo yeah, it, like it, totally it rains a lot, but it's city.
1: quite nice, apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of this like sort of story chronicling the life of this young woman named uh, Julie. She's sort of this young student. Um, I think she's like a medical student and uh, she ends up sort of breaking up with her boyfriend and meets this other man who's much older than her. He's like 40, I think he's like 41, 40, 45. She's like, he's like 15 years, I think older than her. And it kind of chronicles like a bunch of different events and sort of their relationship, their lives. Like she goes to meet his family and friends and feels like an outcast. And it's, and then of course kind of, I guess it's a little bit of a spoiler, but she ends up meeting, uh, she crashes a wedding and meets this other young man who she kind of falls for. And there's, there's sort of this, a bit of like a, of a, a um, little bit of a, like, sort of like um an affair that happens. And it sort of chronicles um, sort of her relationship kind of with this other character too. And, it, but I, I, the film really kind of twists at the end. I don't want to spoil, but it kind of goes for this really serious, very um, emotional kind of ending a resolution with sort of her, her ex-character. And I, I, I was really struck by it. I was like, I kind of felt like that whole second half of the film could have been like its own film because it was so offbeat from, this sort of typical like Woody Allen style um, kind of slice of the life character lay about bohemian type who's trying to find her way. She's a young woman. And I, I, it was a f- amazing film, very, um, some really fun, yeah. like kind of like fantastical moments too. Um, I just thought it was a lot of fun. Some people were a little bit against it again. Cause I, th- I feel like, again, this film is so trying to like appeal to like millennials. If you're like a young Gen Z or like an older um, Gen X, or I don't know if you're going to connect to it. It's, al- it's also very, upper-class li- yeah. liberal whites film like there's not really yeah, that much when you, diversity when you first in the film. when you
1: first like told me about it you're like true I was thinking Lars von Trier and I was like what is, what's he doing now like
0: a liberal <laughs> really not film that, yeah. a liberal <laughs> Lars von <Trude> film <laughs> what's it's on <laughs> But it's fun and I really loved um, uh, Renate Ryan's face character, Julie, she's amazing, Uh, just a great performance in this film, Uh, really heartfelt and, uh, you know, I really kind of, I think everyone could kind of connect this film, a lot of the characters, you know, the feeling of kind of, you know, being in your late 20s, not really knowing what you want to do, you know, Going out, having relationships, dating people and not knowing if they're the one and meeting people that are kind of, you know, you kind of fall for and maybe they're not the one either and, and kind of dealing with just general aging, dealing with your family who's falling apart, who's getting old and you're getting old too. And hell, your friends are a little bit older than you are getting old and dying too. And it's it's dealing with so many kind of complex emotions it was hard for me not to love this movie because it was just like I connected so much to it you know being a as a 30 something you know urban you know young millennial I I just I connected a lot with this movie I mean this film uh, got a lot of buzz didn't win best picture but I I think it almost won uh, best picture uh, for foreign film but yeah this one um, really really impressive film so I'd recommend folks to uh, check it out if they can and then lastly I saw this one a couple of days ago um been on my radar. I wanted to go see the new uh Ty West film uh X, oh, which is fantastic. of course I really uh, distributed want to see that too yeah. by uh by A twenty four. Um in a nutshell it's a film about the sort of uh cast and crew of pornographers who are going off to film a a new porn film and they kind of go stay at this sort of i guess it takes place in sort of like the southern united states very much in the aim of of aping like to- toby hooper like stuff like texas chainsaw massacre or even like i think eaten alive which you saw it's very much like kind of aping those sort of styles of film and it's no, they stay the at the this sort have of eyes, old yeah. <laughs> couples yeah staying at this old couple's house they're very old and decrepit and actually mia goth who plays sort of like the main uh woman in this she also plays like the old kind of antagonist vlog like i guess it's a big spoiler character and it's sort of like these this old couple who's there and the film is obviously about sex for a rated r movie it's a very hard rated r there's a lot of sex in it i mean it's it's an exploitation sort of style film um and again i'm not a huge verse in Ty west i know he did house of the devil which is what i've been it's been on my watch list for like a million oh, years I've been to watch that one. Is...
1: oh you have you haven't watched it yet day I haven't, I haven't seen. Oh, it, it's no. so much fun. You should watch tonight with, with Nat, and you will love it. It's great.
0: Yeah. And I know he's known for his sort of like slow build kind of. Is that, there's, this that one some, is there's some
1: Rose, There's some Rosemary's baby stuff in that too. Cause there's like the Satanism and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this one is very similar. It's a very slow burn kind of to start, but once it gets going, it, it gets really good. It's kind of a little bit paint by the numbers as it kind of went the second half, which I didn't like as much, but I thought it was actually pretty fun. And I think this would actually be a lot better to kind of come back to, because I feel like if you watch it to start, you're going to be a little bit kind of, um, uh, there was just a lot of kind of, of exploitation stuff in here that was very obviously self-aware, but I feel like coming back to it, I would enjoy it a bit more. It's it's very tongue-in-cheek at times. And uh, I thought the film actually had kind of some kind of interesting stuff to kind of, obviously it's focused on kind of like sex and violence as being kind of both innately linked and then sort of like the need of, of filmgoers to see you know sex and more sex is sort of linked to also violence too and there's this whole thing about sex and, and aging where we have these kind of older characters who are at this yeah, ageist like,
1: assumptions and things yeah
0: like the, the the wife is you know she we see her in the beginning of the movie she's a sort of creepy character but we see her kind of like lusting over the young woman in this and it's sort of like her having feelings of sex and, and lust and it's sort of like you know no matter how old you are you want to fuck and you, and you have feelings yeah, of and lust marginalized and marginalized because and then your those... your body is aged you know and yeah like your as your body age it doesn't you know your mind and your libido are still active like and it was but again it's it's very it's very kind of by the by the note horror i actually loved a lot of the characters in it i actually really loved uh i can't remember his name but there's sort of like the main guy who's sort of the producer he's he's almost like a 25 set like matthew mcconaughey but i actually really okay. like this character because you think he's going to be this like totally sleazy gross dude but he's actually like kind of this like paternal figure for this kind of motley crew of weirdos And there's a great scene where like scott miscutty kid cutty who plays like one of the kind of the porn stars he's like t- pulls the guitar and they're like doing a little song and it's actually really touching i i thought uh the way it kind of handled its characters was uh was fun you know it, it sort of um it's taking kind of anachronistic kind of 70s exploitation kind of sexploitation material and kind of you know saying you know these characters they're, they're trying to make it big out there you know there's it's sort of a little bit of there's a little bit like, of like boogie nights yeah i was gonna of, say boogie like nights. The, joie vie, yeah. the joie de vie of like filmmaking and bat- at a certain time of when people you know the golden age of pornography where people were just kind of going out there and making weird sexual shit that you know they they were just kind of they were going at it there's a mix of like people with earnest feelings of we're, we're making art and people who just you know wanted to make a quick buck it's sort of this it, the film deals a little bit with that but I, I thought it was good like I did I wasn't really that blown away by it but I think this might be fun when to kind of come back to after yeah. watching the first I think, time I think
1: it's nice of, it's a nice return yeah. for Ty West too because I feel like he hasn't released a good film in a long time so it's nice to to have him come back to something like this too
0: and I'm I'm really excited to yeah. hear what you think about House of the Devil because I think you'll really like that. It's funny, I was listening to someone talk about this film and like, uh, you know, A24, everyone's kind of been, you know, I don't want to put it crassly, but everyone's been jerking off because like A24 is all about (laughs) like elevated horror and, you know, jump scares are are dumb. So we're all about (laughs) elevated horror. And now there's like almost like a switch back to like jump scare horror. And now everyone's like all the art letterbox kids like, oh, jump scare horror is really the real horror, you know, And it's (laughs) it's like, come on, guys, pick a lane. There's there's space. Yeah, get off the bandwagon, (laughs) you know one style of horror isn't necessarily dumber than the other it's just it's just funny to kind of see like just how, of it's the, the waves, how it's used the waves that yeah 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 but anyways that's that's about it for what I watched yeah I'm gonna have to check out some more stuff soon um yeah kind of a late watching uh, week for me a lot of dark souls so maybe uh maybe by next week I'll have played through dark souls I'll talk, talk about that a little yeah bit. sounds but, great uh, man. Yeah, it was good to chat with you, though. Of course, yeah, next you too. Week we're going, yeah, Lion next King. week we're talking Lion King. Got a lot of stuff to talk about there. We're gonna Quinn back, too. <laughs> yeah, we're getting Quinn back. We're gonna have a uh, there's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about in mean, that movie. Scott, I've seen that movie a million times. One of our me too, That so, was the first uh, movie
1: I, I watched in theaters. So I'm it's very personal for me, so it's very exciting to talk about yeah,
0: it. yeah, and then of course, uh, the following week we're gonna be doing our Nick Beth double billing, and so we're gonna be talking, of course, about the uh, the tragedy of Macbeth, the new, I believe, the Ethan Cohen, not the Cohen brothers, just the one, the Ethan Cohen director directed uh, film. And then we'll be comparing it and sort of contrasting it to the classic uh, 1971, 70, I think it was 71, 72, uh, the Roman Polanski directed Macbeth, which is a much, uh, Different movie. I mean, there there's similar material. It's the same adaptation material, but you know, very different take on on sort of Macbeth uh, from what, from what I understand. I haven't seen the tragedy of Macbeth yet. I'm gonna you know, have to watch that one soon. I have seen the Plansky one before. I think that was a good movie, but I'm excited to kind of come back to that material because I love Macbeth. Yeah. I think Macbeth is probably my favorite. It's one of the best and- Shakespeare. And it's
1: kind of short and bloody, and but I mean, the film's pretty long. I think it's like two and a half hours for Plansky's version, and the same with the other one. Yeah. we got two special guests too. So two my colleagues should come on for that too. So it'll yes. be kind of
0: fun to hear from the experts. so. Yeah. And if we, if you're out there listening, friends and family uh, or just strangers that we haven't been acquainted with yet, uh, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to, if there's a movie that you're really passionate about and you could talk about for hours, uh, chances are we would probably want to talk about it too. So happy yeah, to have some don't, folks don't a, on, of course. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be a stranger. Uh, yeah. And of course, um, once we're done, our Shakespeare month, we'll be back on our regular beat. We're going to be, of course, doing uh, big trouble, little shot. I think that's our on deck. Uh, Carpenter watch serious movie and I've actually I think I mentioned this last week I've never seen Big Trouble Little China that's like what everyone's seen it that's one of Quinn's favorites yeah <laughs> yeah I, I've heard so many every time I, I tell people about it, they're like yeah I haven't seen Big Trouble Little China like ah oh, it's so good I'm like all right you're guys you're hyping me up I it better be good so I'm gonna have to watch that one maybe I'll watch that one next week if I have time I've already seen like they live like three times since the last like month or something I just I've thrown that one on a bunch of times and just watched through <laughs> it I could watch that one like like it's like it's nothing I love that movie but uh, yeah. I got some more great stuff coming up. Um, anything else you want to mention or plug uh, before we wrap up there? Uh, I, th- I think that's everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll just say again: check out my uh, Domestic Pine Silly. It's a podcast I do with me and my buddies. We drink, rate, and review beer, a lot of kind of focus on canadian domestic beer but we do a lot of craft stuff too and we're gonna be expanding our palette to craft stuff and uh i've been waiting for time to work on my favorite watches of 2021 hopefully gonna be able to kind of get that going soon it's not gonna be totally that surprising because if you've been listening if you've been a loyal listener folks this podcast when we do our what we watch this week i think we've been doing this podcast now since what july of last year july, like so that's like almost like half the year is stuff I have probably already talked about a little bit on the pod, but I'm going to draft up my little list of my favorite watches. It'll be a little bit more longer form, just talking a little bit about them. And, you know, it's some of these are films I haven't seen now in like six months. So seven months. So it's going to be fun tier. to kind of think back on them. <laughs> yeah. My God's here list. So there's a, there's a, <laughs> it was a stacked year. I watched a lot of stuff. I mean, COVID of course, a full year COVID, I watched tons of stuff, a lot of really great stuff. So it's going to be hard to kind of whittle it down. It might be a little bit like last year or last year. I felt like I had like six or seven movies that like take him or leave him i could have put any either one number one depending on how i feel but i feel like this year maybe i think they're probably like a little bit of a tier split like i think there's definitely like four or five that i would be like these are far and away the best ones but uh yeah it's gonna be fun to see how things shake up Uh, that's gonna be coming soon and uh yeah it's about it for this week uh we'll catch everyone back again next week and uh take care folks stay safe and uh, we'll see you soon